sure is good to see all of you that are here today. In the Old Testament, we read how God brought the Israelite people out of bondage in Egypt with a mighty hand. And he gave them the land of Canaan. Because the Canaanite people were wicked, they were idolaters. And so God took their land away and was giving it to Israel. And we read how God fought for Israel. And when they went into a city in Canaan, they would just easily destroy that city because God was fighting for them. And one after one, a city fell. And in Numbers chapter 22, it says when Israel came to the plains of Moab in Canaan, God told him to stop and don't attack the Moabites. Don't harass them. Don't touch them. And if you eat any food from their land, you pay them for it. Now, was the Moabites the only righteous people in Canaan? Is that why God saved them? Well, no, the Moabites were just as wicked as all the other Canaanites. They were idolaters just like the rest. But they were descendants of a man named Moab. And Moab was the firstborn son of Lot. And Lot was a nephew of Abraham. God saved the Moabites for Abraham's sake because of his promise to Abraham. But the Moabites didn't believe in God. All they saw was this huge army coming through the land, taking city after city like they were nothing. And now they were camped around them. And the Bible says they were sick with dread. In Numbers 22 and verse 4, it says, So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. They were afraid because they they knew they, they couldn't withstand an attack by these people. So the king of Moab, his name was Balak. And knowing they couldn't withstand an attack, Balak turns to this false prophet a sorcerer named Balaam, to help him. Now, Balaam was a pretty famous sorcerer. He was a con artist that used witchcraft and other cheap tricks to gain fame and fortune. And his specialty was animal divination. He would take this, he would, he would take the organs of dead animals And he would show these organs to people. And based on the shape of these organs, he claimed to be able to know the will of the gods. And Balaam is is also mentioned in Deuteronomy, Joshua, Nehemiah, and Micah. Balaam turned many people to idolatry. And if anyone could be called the enemy of God, it was Balaam. 
In Numbers 22 and verse 5, King Balak sends uh, the elders. I was getting ahead of myself. King Balak decides to send elders to Balaam with money and an offer for a job. And he says to him in Numbers 22 and verse 5, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whom you bless is blessed, and whom you curse is cursed. This is what he said to Balaam in his message to him. Now, Balaam knew about the Israelite people. He knew about the Lord God. And so he tells the men that they should stay the night and perhaps maybe the Lord God will talk to me and tell me something. And so that night God actually talks to Balaam and he asks them who these people are that are staying with him and he says they're from Moab and they came saying that the people have come from Egypt, they've covered the face of the earth and They want me to go and curse them so that the king can overpower them and drive them out of the land. In Numbers 22 and verse 12, God replies and says to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now Balaam is a false prophet, but he knows the real deal when he hears it. This is really God speaking to him. And so the next morning, he tells the people that are with him, in verse 13, go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. Lord says, I can't go with you. And Balaam, I think, is disappointed that he didn't enable to make this large sum of money from this deal. So the messengers return to the king and they tell him, Balaam won't come. He won't come. And so the king sends princes, people of even higher rank, back to Balaam with an even greater reward. And they tell Balaam, they, they tell Balaam that the king says, don't let anything stop you from coming. And he will honor you greatly. And whatever you ask, whatever you ask, the king will give it to you. Whatever it is. Now, just come. Come and curse these people. Now, Balaam wants this really bad. And he's torn. Because on the one hand, the king is offering him anything he wants. But he heard the word of God. And he's afraid of God. And he's torn what what, what to do. So he finally tells the people, it doesn't matter how much gold you give me, I can't go against the Lord. I just can't. 
But if you'll spend the night, maybe the Lord will tell me something different. And so that night, the Lord talks to him again. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come and call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. Now I get the feeling here that Balaam might have started packing before the Lord even stopped speaking. Because he was wanting to go. And all he heard was, rise and go with him. And he set out to the king to curse the people and get his money. And we'll see this later in the story. Uh, is that what God told him to do? Did God change his mind? What did God say? God said, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. See, God had a message for the Moabites. He had a message he wanted delivered to the Moabites, and he wanted, this, he wanted them to hear so bad that he was willing to send someone like Balak, someone like Balaam, a... Uh, enemy of his, but someone they trusted, someone they might listen to. He was willing to send him for this message God wanted him to hear. He hadn't changed his mind like Balaam assumed. Have you ever told somebody something and they just heard what they wanted to hear? Not what you said to them. Any of you all that have raised children probably are familiar with this. You know, one of the reasons I think there are a lot of different Christian denominations out there is because so many people read God's Word and they don't really hear what God's saying, but what they want it to say, you know? And we need to make sure we don't do that. When you read, when you read a verse in, in the Bible, make sure... It's a good idea to make sure you go back and read what came before it and read what came after it and really try hard to understand what God is trying to tell you. And, and don't, don't just read into it what you want it to say. That's important. And that's what got Balaam in trouble here. He just heard what he wanted to hear and... He perverted the word of God. And he just heard what he wanted to say. But God, God knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And you can't fool God. And Balaam was about to learn this. So the next verse, in Numbers 22, in verse 22, then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Balaam takes two servants and he gets on his trusted donkey and heads toward the king's kingdom. And he's riding down the road 
And the angel of the Lord appears in front of him on the road. But Balaam doesn't see the angel of the Lord. But his donkey does. And this donkey, instead of hitting the angel of the Lord, turns to the right and goes out into the field and passes on by on the other side. And Balaam begins to beat the donkey to get him back on the road. And then they go down the road a little bit ways further and the angel of the Lord appears again, this time in a narrow place between these rock walls. And so the donkey sees the angel. Balaam still can't. And the donkey swerves over to the right to go around the angel of the Lord. And he rubs uh, Balaam's foot against the side of the wall, smashing it. And Balaam starts beating the donkey. He beats him again. And finally, the angel of the Lord appears on the road a third time. This time in this really narrow passage. And there was no way at all to get around. The donkey just couldn't go around. And so when the donkey approaches the angel of the Lord, he, she just laid down on the ground in front. And the angel of the Lord, it says, is standing there with a mighty sword in his hand. And when that donkey laid down, Balaam gets off, grabs his staff, and just starts beating this donkey. And so the angel, and so the Lord opens the mouth of the donkey and gives this donkey the ability to speak. And she says, what have I done to you that you struck me three times? And Balaam's so angry, he just replies, you've abused me. I wish I had a sword right now. I would kill you right now if I had a sword. The donkey replies, in all the years that I've served you, have I ever done anything like this before? Balaam said, well, no. No, you haven't. And it's at that moment that God opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel of the Lord right in front of him with a sword Balaam falls on his face in terror to the ground. And in Numbers 22, in verse 32, and the angel of the Lord says to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you by now and let her live. Balaam replies, I have sinned. I didn't know you were against me. I will turn around and go back home. But the angel of the Lord said, No, 
go on, continue with these people. But only say the words that I give you to say. And only do what I tell you to do. And so Balaam continued. Now, when they finally get there, King Balak comes out to meet Balaam. And he's a little irritated. And he says, why didn't you come the first time I called you? Didn't you think I could reward you sufficiently? And in verse 38, uh, Balaam says to Balak, Look, I have come to you. Now have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I must speak. Well, the next day, Balak takes Balaam up to a high place where he can see the children of Israel camped. And this is one of those high places of Baal where they worship the false god Baal. And Balaam there prepares a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice. And he tells the king to stay there with the princes and the other people while he goes away from there and talks to the Lord. And the Lord, when he got far away from that place, told him the words to say. And this is what he said when he came back. He said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me, and come, denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my end be like his. When he heard it, the king turns to Balaam and shouts, What have you done? I've called you to curse these people, and you've just blessed them bountifully. Balaam says, I could only say, I told you what the Lord tells me to say. The king says, okay. Well, there's another place over here on this side. Another high place. You can go up there and, and maybe, maybe you can curse them for me up there. And so they go over to this other place. Balaam again builds an, a sacrifice, and an animal sacrifice, and, and he goes in to hear the word of the Lord. And comes back, and this is what the Lord says, has him say. Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. 
Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? Behold, I have received the command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among him. God brings them out of Egypt. He has the strength of a wild ox, for there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It, must, it now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. And upon hearing him say this, the king tells him to just shut up. Stop talking. Don't curse them. Don't bless them. Just be quiet. Let me think. And he starts thinking what to do. And the king thinks of one more place. There's a place over here overlooking the wilderness. Come over here. Maybe, maybe the Lord will let you curse them for me over here. So they went over to this place overlooking the wilderness and they see Israel camped out all over the land. And so Balaam had the king make some animal sacrifices. And in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 1, note what it says here in Numbers 24 and verse 1. Now when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as as other times, to seek to use sorcery, but he set his face toward the wilderness. All this time, Balaam had been using sorcery. He's been trying to do what the king wanted him to do, trying to get that reward from the king. Oh, he was saying what the Lord told him to say. But you can't serve God and mammon. You just can't. Here in Numbers 24, now Balaam finally gives up on his sorcery. And as he looks out and sees across the wilderness all the people of Israel camped. The Spirit of the Lord speaks to Moab through Balaam. Numbers 24 and verse 3. The utterance of Balaam the son of Beor. The utterance of the man whose eyes were opened. The utterance of him who hears the words of God. Who sees the vision of the Almighty who falls down with eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel. Like valleys that stretch out, like 
gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. He shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. He shall consume the nations, his enemies. He shall break their bones and pierce them with his arrows. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you. And upon hearing this, the king turns to Balaam and says, Get out. Leave. You'll get nothing from me. Balaam says he's returning home. But before he does, he has a message from the Lord to give to the Moabite people. One last thing. And in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17, he says, I see him, but not now. And I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also, his enemies shall be a possession, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. After all the Moabites have done, God was still trying to save them. He used their own false prophet, someone they trusted, to deliver a warning to them of their coming destruction. Hoping maybe they would change. Maybe they would turn and stop fighting God. Stop stop their idolatry. But they never did. They never did. Moab conspired with the other nations against Israel, refused to let them pass through their land. And God finally excludes them from the kingdom of Israel, forbids the Israelites from having anything to do with them. And they were later mostly destroyed by Solomon. And then finally David finished and wiped them out. In the 1960s, archaeologists uncovered some tablets containing writings from Balaam, the sorcerer. And unfortunately, he never changed. Balaam died cowering with the Moabites when Israel attacked as an enemy of God. 
Brethren, I have been an enemy of God. I have fought against God. I have done things I knew God didn't want me to do. Again and again and again. It has never once turned out good for me. Not once. Only heartache, suffering, shame. And I don't want to fight God anymore. I want a relationship with God that isn't hindered, you know? Now, whoever's out there listening to this, if you've been fighting against God, if you've been doing things you know He doesn't want you to do, refusing to do what you know God wants you to do, please, please listen to this dumb donkey talking to you right now. And stop. Turn around. Change. Because what's up ahead is nothing good. Misery and sorrow. Turn around before it's too late. God loves you so much. He loves you. And he wants a relationship with you that is close. He wants to talk to you and have that closeness every day. And he doesn't want it hindered. You can repent with godly sorrow and turn around. And you'll know, you'll have that peace of knowing that you're right with God. And there is nothing better. There is no better feeling than knowing that you're right with God. And to have that relationship with Him. Don't die as an enemy of God. Don't, don't die not being right with God. You don't know when, as we said this morning, you might fall on ice and die like that. You don't know when. But if you're not right with God, get right with God. And if you'd like to make a change today, if the church can help you, please come while we stand and sing.